Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Maps Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here in person by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be into the Mavericks' clutch time victory with two games left after this game in the regular season to the Sacramento home, uh, the Sacramento Kings at home. We were in attendance for said game, styling at the American Airlines Center, though we were not met with any um, fans coming up to us, unfortunately. Perhaps we are, uh, our aura of star power has uh, has not really gotten to the point where we thought it would, but you know, as uh, as flight reacts, one of my favorite YouTubers always says, "Just wait till June." Anyways, regardless of that, the Mavericks had a late fourth quarter um, entourage where they were hitting shots in an absolute premium, and Kyrie Irving spearheaded that attack. I don't have the exact amount that he scored in the fourth quarter. Thirty-one. Oh, 19. 19. 19 in the fourth quarter yes. in itself, uh, with multiple contested jump shots really carrying the Mavericks to this one in a game that a lot of fans probably wanted the Mavericks to lose. And the other portion of the fan base wanted the Mavericks to win. It was very divisive from that standpoint. Um, but nonetheless, it was a very exciting game. Um, and it definitely had the thrilling aspect that, you know, you look for in one of these later games in the season when we could just be potentially watching to watching. So from that standpoint, um, it was fun to be in attendance for, but um, perhaps the final result uh, did not yield the outcome that everybody would have hoped. Uh, but nonetheless, Jaron here is going to give us his thoughts on the game here today and what he thought at first glance from the Mavericks victory over the Kings at home today. Yeah, I mean, it was a, I mean, a weirder game, one where defense was not at a premium, you know, whether it was uh, I, we've come Sabonis. Oh, yes. well, yeah, I know. But yeah. Sabonis. Fox, um, Kevin Herter. yeah, Kevin Herter, and even Harrison Barnes were able to get pretty much whatever they wanted. Even Trey Lyles, and they were uh, they were missing a lot, a lot of, of bunnies. Yeah. Yet the offensive glass was something that the Mavericks. Alex Lynn abandoned. was preying upon misses, um, yes. and he had probably like four offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter alone. But yeah, it, it was a weirder game, one where you know defense, of course, wasn't established between two diff- two really bad defensive teams, and even offense for the Mavericks was uh, weird at times. Uh, some really bad questionable turnovers, and even offensive fouls at times. Um, but outside of that, I, I think it was you know from a basketball fan standpoint, it was a fun game to watch. It was it was enjoyable just from the sense that you know the Mavericks came down came back after or came back down twelve points, I want to say, or they were 11, down eleven at halftime. 11, yeah, so I think that was the peak of their pit. If yeah. That makes any sense. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to say what boat I was in, but whether it was tank boat or wind boat, uh, clearly the winning side has won. So with two games left in Chicago, uh, is that a confirmed resting uh, the, their starters? The Bulls, um, as they are currently two games out of the ninth spot in the East, and they are essentially locked into the 10th spot of the uh, play-in race over there in the East with nobody, really rivaling them. It is heavily implied uh, that they will likely be resting DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, as well as Nikola Vucevic, uh, leaving a very weak and brittle Chicago Bulls team for the Mavericks to prey upon and lose. (laughs) 
That's a <laughs> yes. Well, the Mavericks will be facing them Friday um, in their penultimate game to the regular season finale versus the San Antonio Spurs, which will occur on Sunday, April the, 9th. Uh, April 9th, yes. Easter. So the Mavericks are currently tied with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm going to put this as a prerequisite before we even start the podcast. With a record of 38 and 42, the Oklahoma City Thunder have the season tiebreaker in no small part due to their beautiful 16-point comeback uh, that we um, always like to allude to earlier in the season with about four or five minutes left, um, among with the other games that they won. So they hold the tiebreaker in that matter. So even if the Mavericks tie the Thunder, if they both went out, then the Thunder will end up getting the play-in, and the Mavericks will likely have the 10th or 9th best lottery odds. But, um, you know, that is taking things – that into consideration uh, – Things could also go another way, and the Mavericks could make the play-in. Um, this definitely increases their odds now that the you know Thunder lost last night, and the Mavericks have won. They've moved from a game back to tied, um, and the Mavericks you know just one OKC loss and winning both, or um, you know two wins, obviously two OKC losses. Uh, the Mavericks can go ahead and jump a, ahead in this affair, and we could actually be seeing some playoff basketball potentially when yep. we thought that that was a um a far fetch even mere days ago on this podcast so a lot of different uh interesting scenarios to get into we will give you all of our thoughts and opinions on that but before we do that here's an ad from our sponsor spotify for podcasters all right so getting into this one jaron we have yet another game surprise surprise where the mavericks have a pitiful defensive effort in the first half and they sort of pseudo mend themselves in the uh, third and fourth quarter where the, you know, it was very comparable to the Hawks game. Yeah. I thought this one just in terms of top to bottom uh, fair, pretty fair one for one comparison. What did you take out of this game? Uh, looking at it uh, sequentially. Yeah. I mean, from a, uh, that standpoint, like this was a game where um, I mean, it definitely had to be pulled out. You know, you had to actually start making shots. Uh, you know, thankfully I think for the Mavericks, they were really, benefactors of a horrible shooting night from Atlanta or from a Sacramento. I'm not quite sure what they shot, but I would be surprised if they made over 10 three pointers in this game. Um, but, you know, offensively working off the pick and roll, of course, uh, I saw Christian Wood get involved. We even saw some Josh Green middies. We haven't seen those in a while. So he was starting to feel himself in the bag. Uh, oh, they made 12 three pointers. So barely I over. On, You're I, right. was on, I was on the line. Um, but yeah, you know, Pick and roll uh, offense, you know, especially Kyrie getting his bag going in that fourth quarter. Um, and then Luca in the third quarter was honestly miraculous to see him get to work. But yeah, I mean, in that second half, whenever the Mavericks really started to cook on threes and uh, especially, you know, driving and kicking and everything like that, um, I, I think that definitely elevated the Mavericks into a different level. Um, because again, you know, at halftime, they were down 11. And pretty much after the second quarter, second quarter, it kind of seemed like, uh, you know, bad offensive play was in their rearview mirror. Uh, we saw some, you know, honestly, really atrocious uh, turnovers, whether it was Josh Green just completely rugby tackling. Uh, I forget, was it Kevin Herter? Um, or yeah, Dave, I forget. Or Malik Monk. Yeah, it was, I think, yeah, I think it was Malik Monk. Um, and that was honestly just really not, it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, you know, there's just benefactors of pretty much stupid turnovers. So I think once the Mavericks picked those up and uh, started actually playing some offensive ball, it definitely picked up. And as, you know, progressively, you know, it, it wasn't an amazing defensive night for obvious reasons, but there were some good possessions that the Mavericks had that, you know, pretty much 
kept them afloat in this game or even held the lead at certain points. Um, I'm not quite sure what Sacramento scored in the final five minutes, but I, I think, you know, Dallas did a pretty good job of mending um, their, their, you know, bad habits, at least, yeah. uh, you know, effortly, you know, giving just in the last five minutes. Cause I, I mean, honestly, there wasn't too many, you know, egregious defensive possessions, at least in that fourth quarter. So I think the Mavericks just did barely enough to, uh, you know, get them a victory. And of course, you know, if you watch that Atlanta game, they did the total opposite of that. And it kind of seemed like, yes, you know, Atlanta was leaving the door open, but they just couldn't get the job done. So I think it was a, in, in that standpoint, it was good for the Mavericks to finally get something going. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, the Mavericks, I thought, veered away from some of, you know, the schematics that they've really been attuned to as of recent. Uh, you know, they've been running a lot of horn sets, you know, zoom actions for Kyrie and Luca. Um, you know, they deferred tonight to playing a little bit more iso ball, trying to run and get out and transition. They were really, you could tell that they were um, just how negligent this team is to try and defensive rebound. It's almost like we get, you have like there, it's a weird sort of complex because of how they started the season, but they'll have like three or four guys out running in transition before, you know, anybody's even trying to grab a rebound, you know, credit to the Kings because, uh, you know, Alex Lynn and Sabonis definitely were able to um, serve as a, a pretty tall order in there. And, you know, that obviously disrupted things for the Mavericks. But, um, I, you know, I think that that was definitely um, part of the issues. But conversely, you know, in that third and fourth quarter, once the Mavericks started to get out and make some threes in transition, you know, Kyrie was stopping and pulling up on a dime. Uh, they were getting it to, you know, they were hitting the corner guys. Tim made a few. Um that really started to help because then that just, you know, sort of catalyzed this whole drive and kick game. And, you know, we saw the Mavericks, you know, being able to catch Kings defenders, you know, having preemptive closeouts because, you know, they're running in transition um, and they just didn't, you know, have enough time to, you know, properly diagnose the situation or break down. And I mean, we had a lot of Mavericks, you know, be willing and able uh, to make some difficult passes tonight. I mean, Obviously, you know, I say that uh, sort of tentatively because uh, in a lot, it's more like four guys. But, you know, Luca and Kyrie, of course, were doing a great job driving and kicking tonight. I mean, they had some insane wraparound passes. But uh, even a couple other guys that I really saw do good from that perspective, uh, Josh Green and Tim Hardaway Jr., yep. uh, they were actually doing a pretty good job moving the ball in this one and, um, you know, making some very difficult passes in the midst of a uh, pretty um, just, you know, conglomerate of guys in the paint. Uh, they were able to make some, you know, huge wraparounds out to the, uh, you know, guys beyond the arc and the Mavericks were able to, um, you know, particularly when Christian Wood was in there, were able to use that five out offense to their advantage and they made 23s tonight. And I mean, the simple story kind of goes with this team that, you know, has been the sort of narrative with them all season, Kyrie or not. When the Mavericks are making threes, if they can just get the defense to be uh, just average or slightly under average, um, then they have the potential to win a game because it's just a lot of offensive prowess to deal with. Um, but because of this team's one-dimensionality, because of this team's, you know, unwillingness to – um, get another personnel or just, you know, simply they don't have the personnel to go defer to another style. 
um, they end up, you know, not being able to win games multiple ways. But, you know, can, on the other side of things, the Kings definitely don't have one of the better perimeter defenses or or interior defenses for that matter in the league. But they've been benefactors of this, you know, historic offense all year, you know, like the beam, you know. Uh, but it honestly isn't the worst matchup for the Mavericks uh, because yeah. – they are not all too dissimilar in their play styles. And it's kind of like whoever gets hot wins the game. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen it. We have seen that uh, in the past two matchups that they played in that back-to-back series in Sacramento. Um, yeah. I mean, I like the way that you put it, you know, whoever's making the shots is pretty much going to win this game. You know, it's a, it's a non-defensive battle. And like I said, you know, the Mavericks were huge benefactors of a really off shooting night or really uh, yeah, off shooting night in terms of Sacramento they were on a second night of a back-to-back, may I add. So I think that might be something to at least keep in mind if you're, you know, overly hyped about this game. But, uh, you know, even still, you know, the Mavericks, they did a good job. They did a, a fantastic job making shots, you know, wraparound passes, as you mentioned beforehand, all that. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, defensively, like I said, just creating those sort of, uh, you know, hands in the lanes, creating some turnovers, even though there wasn't many turnovers to be created. You know, it was just – they did what they could at times in that fourth quarter. So, you know, I, I think it conversely, uh, you know, this was a game where it had the Mavericks not caught heat or, you know, even for Sacramento, had they made uh, just a normal amount of threes, I think um, I'm not quite you know sure what they shoot that percentage at or as a team, but you know, had they been a little more on the, you know, average line, I think that this would have been a totally different outcome. We'd probably be having a different podcast talking about the end of the season, but you know, there, there's still hope uh, within the Dallas Mavericks organization. So I think that they're going to keep writing that. And with two games left, um, you know, Chicago and uh, Chicago and San Antonio, of course. So uh, it, it was definitely, you know, a fun game. Uh, I think that's probably the best way to tell you it. So, yeah. And I mean, the Mavericks don't get where they were if they don't ride the coattails of Kyrie Irving in that fourth quarter yeah. with those 19 fourth quarter points, 43 minutes for a guy, you know, I wouldn't say that he was unassertive in the offense, uh, because there have been many games where Ky- we we kind of feel like Kyrie just randomly turns it on in the fourth quarter, and you know he's been he's kind of more deferential to uh, just sharing the ball and being a ball mover. And you know, there's some times where we'd rather him be a little bit more selfish. But I mean, I, I earnestly thought that the Kings were doing a good job of running him off the ball. That you know there was a lot of Luca centric offense, um, but they they were they had some actions you know where they screened for each other a few times, and um, you know just trying to get more direct actions with them trying to get more intertwined, you know, being able to run Kyrie off staggers and curl offs, um, you know, that will be quintessential to the Mavericks being as they move forward here um, in this Luca and Kyrie era, if it's going to persist past this season, um, just finding the ways to integrate them together, um, you know, versus having just one guy stay in the corner. But, um, you know, ever since Kyrie's got here, I do feel as if every game, you know, to a certain degree, we see less and less of that, or at least less and that, less and that, oh my gosh, less and less of that, um, you know, more consistently um, game to game. So um, that that's, I, I never really thought that that's been too much of a sore spot. I, I think that they fit fairly seamless together, but I know that there are others that, you know, are still pining for, you know, more optimization. But I mean, I, I do think that you know, they're, they're usually combining to score somewhere in the neighborhood of 50, 60 points together a night, uh, particularly as of recent. So, you know, um, got to kind of hang with the cards, the cards that you're dealt here, um, which are not 
too bad of a hand in this instance, considering uh, the performances that these two have been having. But I mean, it was an awesome game from Kyrie in particular. And, you know, we really saw him take heed, uh, you know, lead the team. It's nice to have, you know, whichever guy's hot, be able to lead the team. I think that that's a very underrated aspect of things. Um, But conversely, you know, also finding a way to intertwine them together on offense and not feel as if one guy is, you know, stagnant, just having a sort of monotonous, you know, stagnant game just in the corner. Like, and, and we're seeing less and less of that, which I think is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just completely took over from all aspects as a three level scorer in the fourth quarter, just with his three point shooting and his ability to uh, create space for himself in the mid range. I, I don't really feel like there's any other way to put it, but I mean, his variety of moves from his step backs, you know, his in and outs, his hesitations, um, his up fakes, um, his ability to, you know, just move so much uh every move with him is so intentional um he doesn't have any wasted steps when he's dribbling and you know it it does it bodes for him to create a lot of space with the amount of quickness he has i mean he was just he was on one in the fourth quarter it was really fun to watch um even if me and jaron did have our you know maybe our own agendas in mind and we'll get to that at the end of the podcast we also are going to be getting into the mark cuban quotes that he made pre-game in another podcast just kind of depending on how this season ensues, we're going to kind of play it by ear. You know, I know we do have, I believe, another two, no, four we, days. We only um, have a one game break in between. Yeah, it, both games. Yeah. So, you know, we obviously don't know exactly how the Mavericks season is going to uh, end up finishing here. You know, whether they're going to just not even make the play in, losing the play in, losing the playoffs. Uh, but that's, there was definitely a lot to get into regarding those quotes. And, we are more than willing to be able to, you know, come dissect them and talk big picture with you guys and uh, really get into the ins and outs of those. But right now we, you know, we're dragging to the end of the regular yeah. season to say the least. And we just want to get these post-game podcasts out, but those will be coming. So stay tuned. Um, but yeah, otherwise I really don't have any more in terms of how this game fared. Um, and, you know, if we're talking, sequentially you know I, I think that the kings definitely had some unfavorable uh three-point shot variants in this one and it could have been a totally different outcome i don't think the mavericks did anything insanely special yeah. or different that we've been pining to do for them to do all year you know occasionally uh jason kidd will ride the hot hand and close with a guy but you know more often than not sometimes we see him uh throw a guy like a christian wood by the wayside when he's having a good game uh, tonight he rode with him and I mean at least off you know Christian Wood was playing really well on both sides of the ball in this one so that was a welcome sight you know some games he doesn't Christian Wood started off you know having like a really like weird, weird sort yeah. of yeah. <laughs> first and second quarter and I, I didn't seem like he was going to be able to turn the tide but he did so very convincingly so that was much welcomed um, but yeah otherwise um, you know from the Kings perspective you know Fox definitely was the primary initiator. The Mavericks definitely had trouble keeping up with the foot speed of him. Uh, I think really from every single point of attack defender, Uh, but they did do a good job just clouding the paint. And, you know, he was doing conversely doing a very good job getting the ball to shooters. They just missed. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Sabonis uh, in those non-Fox minutes really impressed me, his ability to bring the ball up the court when De'Aaron Fox is out of the game and, uh, take heed of the offense and be a distributor uh, from that nail and free throw line era area. Um, it's really difficult to deal with when you have a 6'10", you know, 250 guy right there doing that. 
um, who has, who's very savvy in terms of his passing ability yeah. and um, things, you know, has long arms and all that. So he had 11 assists tonight. That was hurting the Mavericks. Triple double. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was hurting the Mavericks definitely with some of those, um, those deep cuts and, you know, just some of the, the Kings run a lot of different, um, you know, guard screening actions with Sabonis, uh, for each other, you know, you know, whether it's herder screening for Sabonis, like there's a lot of different wrinkles they have, uh, just because of, you know, the diversification of what they can do with their offense. When you have a guy that, you know, can has, has evolved, not just as a, you know, a pure post player anymore, but, uh, this sort of, uh, almost like a mini Jokic as kind of what Sabonis is, um, elevated to offensively this year. And, you know, that's why the Kings where they are, are where they are in the uh, the West. And I, I know he. I'm not comparing him to, the, you know, the degree that Jokic is able to do the things he does at. Um, but, you know, Jaron made that comp, uh, I believe, a week or two to me. And I've been pretty attuned to it ever since. I mean, if you just – if you watch the way that he affects the game at uh, multiple levels, it's, it's actually quite fascinating from an outside perspective. But, you know, he – the – Kings were really able to, you know, as the, as both of those guys really initiated offense for them, uh, they, they rode the coattails of that. And I, you know, they have a lot of, you know, deep cuts. Um, they want to run a lot of like UCLA cuts. They just have a lot of different moving parts. And we saw the Mavericks have trouble keeping up with their off ball movement at times. Um, but as the game progressed, we saw where the Mavericks um, started to really hone in more defensively. I don't know if it was necessarily an effort thing or the lineups the Mavericks were playing. I don't really think it was the lineups because they didn't have the best defensive personnel in there, but they, they just did a, you know, a much better job uh, really just running with everybody and uh, staying hip to hip with guys because the vast array of off ball movement that the Kings had here. So, you know, I think that that's kind of the route that the Mavericks were able to take to win in this one. Um, It wasn't, very convincing and there definitely were a lot of different uh you know other contingencies where the Mavericks probably lose this game if just a few other things go right from the Kings perspective or you know x y or z role player steps up just a little bit more uh but you take your wins where you can get them at this stage in the season for you know despite whatever personal interest or fan interest we have the Mavericks themselves are still trying to make the play in yeah and you know they it's paramount that they obviously went at this stage being tied with the thunder after they lost to the Lakers yesterday. And, you know, they're tied 38 and 42 uh, record wise. And we move on to, you know, this game for Chicago Friday night, a pretty premier matchup where it seems as if the bulls are going to have a lot of guys out. And then, you know, the final game of the season versus the Spurs on Sunday. So um, I'm, it was good to see the Mavericks show out amidst a very, just groggy last couple weeks um, and actually get like a feel good win for those in the fan base, I guess that are still pining yeah. for them to win. Um, which I mean, is I think all of us to a certain extent, you know, being a fan. I yes. Think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, maybe some people have different degrees of um, desire to win. If that makes any yeah, sense. I would, yeah. I would tend to agree. So yeah. Um, but otherwise, I, I don't have much other if you would like to get into how the individual performances on both sides of the ball. Um, I don't have much other in terms of how the game fared. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you covered the Kings perspective pretty well. 
Um, I think off the bench, like really the guy that produced, or not produced the most, but I, I, one guy I think that kind of surprised me was Trey Lyles. Um, his ability to come off backdoor screens or backdoor cuts, um, you know, multiple times he was open for either lob passes or just inside easy dunk passes uh, or passes on the dunker spot. Um, he even nailed down a couple of threes that were pretty clutch in the, the scenario. Davion given. Mitchell, too. Oh, Davion I, Mitchell's I defense it was amazing. Uh, I didn't even realize that he had eight points in this game, like a, a really productive eight points. But he had one really, really good um, defensive possession on Luca, where he kind of pulled the uh, pulled the chair on him. Uh, whenever yeah, he was and, then, down. and then attacked him right after yeah, and was able and, to force the ball out of yeah, bounds. Yeah, he was able to force the ball out of bounds and force a bad turnover. Uh, I, I think – I believe it was a turnover – um but yeah you know off the bench I, I was really surprised with those guys and Malik Monk did his usual thing um I'm gonna be honest this is my first time seeing Sacramento or Malik Monk in person and I didn't realize that he was you know a small 6-2 um he does not look like that on TV I will admit but um I guess headed over to the Dallas side of things you know Tim Hardaway got things going really quickly uh with his three-point shot he was able to knock down five of eight and you know pretty much the first three quarters he was really productive um, I'm not sure. I don't know if you've ever found ever found that out, but uh, we're not sure if it was some sort of injury or, you know, if he just they just kind of deferred away from him. But it kind of seemed like in the fourth quarter he just disappeared. Um, and I'm not. I don't even remember if he was on the floor or not. I believe the lineup that they were running most of the fourth quarter was Luca, Kyrie, Josh, uh, Christian Wood, and I know there was some Maxi sprinkled in in there. Uh, Jaden Hardy was also in there a little bit. And uh, they, you know, this was a game that Reggie didn't really yeah. uh, get a lot of run in just because he was kind of, it was one of his cardio games. It, it, was, it was a cardio game. Uh, it was his first cardio game in a while. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know specifically what it was. Um, you know, maybe it's because a lot of the time uh, they, you know, the Kings do a good job of being able to hide a guy like um, Sabonis, you know, uh, traditional non-rim protector by most metrics, you know, um, you know, teams like the Kings or the Nuggets, they do good, a good job of like hiding Jokic or Sabonis sometimes on some of those uh, one dimensional three and D players. They'll, they'll opt to do that at points, but we didn't really see that all too much. It, it was a lot of kind of just uh, either Harrison Barnes or like Keegan Murray or Kevin Herter chasing around Reggie. And uh, I don't know. I mean, they did a fairly good job. He just wasn't getting that much open looks off of flare cuts or, um, you know, he wasn't coming off layer screens, getting a lot of open shots. And it was weird for a game that saw so much driving kick opportunities yeah. for the Mavericks. But, you know, it just may have been a he may have just been a victim of happenstance and, you know, not having the ball swing his way tonight. But he didn't really get a ton of uh, look in the uh, looks from offensively. Defensively, he got blown by quite a bit. It was not his best defensive game, in my opinion. Um, he got caught ball watching a few times off ball. So. Uh, that obviously came to his downfall points. Dwight Powell, he played like the beginning of the first quarter, the first six minutes, I believe the first six minutes of the third quarter. And we did not see him. Otherwise, he was able to um, sneak past um, when the Mavericks were able to involve Sabonis in a pick and roll. Um, he was kind of able to sneak past him for a dunk one time on a lob, I believe. No, no, no. He, uh, I just assume that that's the only way he scores every time. <laughs> That's so bad. He honestly, I mean, from a, a glass perspective, he didn't no, he, he got that but... one. I remember the exact play. It was the first play of the game, though. And um, he got the offensive rebound to where he yeah. probably could have went up for a putback dunk, but brought the ball back down and went up for a, a traditional usual, Dwight Powell yeah, layup, slapped the backboard, yeah. and 
get giddy up on down the court. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, he didn't really provide too much of an impact on the game. You know, the one downfall of playing those sort of, um, you know, non-rim protecting bigs is that they are typically always going to be in drop coverage schemes. And Sabonis, he's not as he's not as heavy footed as say of Alan Tunis or a Jokic, yep. where he can't come up to the level of the screen. And I know that they've done some interesting things with Jokic in Denver. Um, well, they'll have him kind of come up to the level of the screen and um, and then, you know, just have him fall back or they'll switch it occasionally um, if it's a favorable matchup. Um, but, you know, typically, traditionally with those sort of guys, they will tend to drop back. Uh, Sabonis, honestly, has kind of surprised me with some of his athleticism tonight. I mean, he's pretty mobile. He's in the prime of his career. He may not be able to jump the highest, but I mean, he's, he's got good foot speed, man. He's very quick. He's got amazing footwork. Too. Yes. Very, yeah. yes. Very savvy. And he's underrated in terms of his speed. Yeah. Um, you know, I know, I know he necessarily doesn't have the most insane length or hops to be able to contend. Um, but I mean, he, he can guard guys a little bit on the perimeter. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't terrible when he got switched out. Um, I remember one or two matchups where Luca or Kyrie got switched out onto him and they thought it was going to be fresh pickings. And they uh, either missed a mid-range jump shot, or I think in one of their instances, they didn't. They weren't even able to get to the rim, and they had to pass it back out. So, um, you know, the Mavericks, I, I think that they thought that they were going to be able to exploit that matchup a little bit more than they did. Um, that obviously led to Dwight Powell not playing as much. But, you know, he, he did what he could. Um, he got his ass whooped on the boards <laughs> uh, when he was in there. I mean, I know you said he had those three offensive rebounds. He did provide the only sort of really – invigoration of offensive rebounding for the Mavericks tonight on the starting. Uh, starting yes. Line. The Mavericks got out rebounded 57 to 39 tonight. Did you know it was and 30 to 29 at one point? In, uh, I believe in the third quarter. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could tell uh, Alex <laughs> Lynn's um, effect on the game for, and that's Alex Lind uh, that we're talking about here. Um, Mr. Maryland Terrapin himself. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, Dwight Powell just due to the matchups in this game, something that, you know, as he is, he's just a very circumstantial player, just given his sort of state of being. But he can always give you 12 minutes of energy, yeah. as we see we saw in the Western Conference Finals last year. But he just didn't have the biggest role in this one. Um, I do feel like we've uh, kind of covered Kyrie's game ad nauseum in this one. But if you'd like to get into it a little more, just the uh, the intricacies of uh, how he was able to be so effective in this one, maybe how he fared defensively, his aggressiveness on the ball uh, from that perspective. Uh, when he was matched up on guys at the point of attack, then definitely the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, so I, I think in that fourth quarter, you know, whenever the defense did kind of pick up effort-wise, he was really the main sort of, uh, you know, head spearhead for that. Uh, you know, he tallied two steals in this game, and a lot of them were just, you know, creating bad turnovers for the Kings, uh, you know, whether it was pretty much full court press or, you know, as soon as the ball was covered, he'd go in for a double team. Um, he was doing a really good job of sort of forcing the ball out of whoever uh, he was either help defending or defending just one-on-one. -on -one. He was doing a good job of forcing the ball out of their hands. Um, offensively, you know, you tied Kyrie's game pretty much to a T, uh, but he had that one possession against Davion Mitchell where he, pretty much the only guy in the league is Kyrie Irving who can make that shot where he had him back down in the paint, um, you know, had the ball moving pretty much uh, – you know, it, it wasn't staying still. He was doing every sort of arm movement, foot movement that he could do, even head jolting. Yeah. And finally faded away and got it to fall. 
Uh, and I believe that was like a four minute mark in the fourth quarter. Um, and that was one where, you know, definitely got the stadium up and going, but yeah, I think Kyrie was really the benefactor, not benefactor, but he's really the main spearhead defensively and offensively um, in that fourth quarter that led this Mavericks team to a 123-119 win. Um, off the bench, you know, you know, Jason Kidd, of course, rode Christian Wood in the fourth quarter, let him play out his offensive game. I didn't feel like we saw anything bad defensively. He ended up with three blocks in this game. Uh, I mean, you look across the board, you know, uh, I, I believe Dwight Powell had, yeah, four personal fouls. That's kind of why he was denoted out pretty early. Um, but yeah, you know, Dwight Powell, uh, JaVale wasn't having his strongest game. JaVale and... looked very, like, for those that were pining heavily after the Atlanta game for JaVale to play more, and I told you guys to tread carefully in that aspect because <laughs> we just don't know if he's ever going to be fully back because he has dud games like this where, I mean, he looked like a saloon door on defense, and, you know, anytime he gets switched up on a guy, it's basically fresh pickings because they're able to blow past him. Even the boxing out was just awful. Yeah, but. I mean, he's just not able to recover. I mean, the athleticism's still there, but I just – I don't know if it's the reaction speed. But, yeah, but the rebounding thing was a huge issue too because he was getting ate alive by um, Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn at most uh, – during large junctures of this one. And, um, I mean, there was – I can – I – think about one good JaVale play in this game and it was offensively um, where he started sealing his guy I believe it was like um, the Kings weren't able to scram switch and he got like Kevin Herter on him and he sealed him like starting at the free throw line uh, and he let the ball move around the arc um, the Mavericks used to up fake to get the ball to the corner I believe it was like Luca who swung it to Reggie and then he swung it to JaVale inside yeah, for a layup after after a seal but barring that um, he just kind of looked displaced offensively and defensively the same and rebounding the same. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that, that's why he doesn't play more, but he did affect two shots. Uh, they, they were kind of more of the, uh, you know, weak side help protection, uh, type of blocks versus, you know, your average, um, just head on, you know, yeah. bully ball type of block it. He was definitely getting kind of manhandled in terms of his one-on-one defense, but, you know, I, I think JaVale would be, if the Mavericks had like a Kevon Looney, for instance, or a defensive five who could just guard up on guys or like a time Lord or something like that, I think JaVale would honestly be like a, a really good fairly team. like valuable energy asset. But when you're asking him to come in there as a lone big or with Christian Wood, who is a very spotty defender, uh, you know, Christian Wood is kind of of the same effect where, yes, he can guard guys on the perimeter decent sometimes, but that's kind of just hit or miss. It's like game dependent almost. Yeah. Um, he can affect. Um, you know, some like in that first half, he played like atrocious defensively. Um, he routinely uh, didn't step out far enough on guys uh, when he had, you know, when he switched on the guys and they were taking jump shots, got blown by a few times, uh, but was kind of able to reconcile himself with a few like weak side help uh, blocks. And it typically was, you know, him leaving his man in the dunker spot uh, to come help on a guy coming downhill to where he was able to affect the shot. And, you know, him and Javelle were both benefactors of that, but, I, I don't think that, you know, I, I wouldn't label this as some sort of God tier defensive game between them, the two, No, despite them having five blocks total. I, I'd definitely say like between the four centers, like I, I do feel like Christian Wood had the best game defensively, just, you know, yeah. again, you know, as you said a second ago, not amazing or, you know, even good for that matter, but they did the job. They and he had a few possessions pain. in the second half where he's actually able to hold his own against yeah. a bonus once or twice, uh, which was really impressive, but, you know, it's like, you know, with Christian Wood on defense, it's like essentially, you know, you take one step forward, take one step back. It's like he'll do one thing good. 
he'll choose to do one thing good defensively in a game and then just like not do something else. Like in this instance, he did fairly good at okay and uh, decent at guarding, you know, bigs one-on-one and head up. Uh, but anytime he got switched on the perimeter, which is usually the hallmark and strong suit of his defensive game, uh, he was fairly unsuccessful in those endeavors. Um, but he was a good, you know, rim protector. So I, mean, I don't, or, you know, from the weak side at least. So it, it's a weird dynamic. I, I just think that his, um, downfall as a defender is just his inconsistency and his inability to do at least one thing on yeah. a consistent basis. Cause you know, if you have this sort of rotating effect of different things you can do, it, you're still losing marginally within uh, certain aspects of the game. And that that's part of the reason that he doesn't get as many minutes as he should maybe uh, despite what we may think, or despite what, you know, even a wood hater would think, um, you know, you can talk about how the Mavericks have disserviced Christian Wood all all you want. And they definitely have from a certain perspective, uh, just in terms of how I think how they've treated him and the fairness that they've uh, sort of, and, the, and it seems of the lack of communication that they've sort of had with him and how disconnected he is from the front office and stuff like that. You know, some of the Twitter likes he's had, but at the end of the day, um, I mean, there, there are reasons, so it, even if they're not as justifiable as you would hope that he doesn't play as much as he does, but he did have, you know, a decent defensive game. And it was nice that, you know, he really started to make those threes in the pick and pop with Kyrie. Yeah. That's the first time we really started to see that like two man tandem get going in that fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, I think he made like two threes in that fourth quarter uh, period. And I mean, that, that helped really spearhead the Maverick attack down the stretch. And uh, that two man offense with Kyrie really looked good. I was skeptical on a few of those shots, um, yeah. but he, he definitely swung the tide back in the, in the Mavericks favor. Um, otherwise, um, if you want to talk about the two young guns, um, I thought Josh Jaden Hardy didn't really clock yeah, a whole didn't. lot of minutes in this one, but I, I felt like he made some, you know, not veteran, uh, you know, notes or uh, veteran moves or anything like but, that. But I mean, he played like 15 minutes and it was strong basketball. Like I yeah. didn't see, like, I didn't feel like he had, you know, anything, any boneheaded moves or anything yeah. like that. Like even whenever he was taking it up on an Alex Lynn or someone like that, he was able to kick the ball out, even though if it wasn't a strong kick out to the corner for a wide open, you know, three yeah. or anything like that, it was still able to get the ball around the corner. Um, he even had a block there. I don't remember who it was quite on, um, but it hit a block down low. I oh, no, that. I remember specifically this play. I, I do know. It was this down is where low, he but... was. Um, I believe it was uh, Malik Monk. Was and, it? Yeah. Um, he was, no, he was shooting like a little mid-range fall away, about 10 feet out, and uh, Hardy – Blocked it. And that's Harris, right. Yeah, Harrison yeah, Barnes yeah. got an offensive rebound. Just went right up. It, the yeah, line. that's it, right. It was yeah. just kind of a uh, sort of fortuitous bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's right. Yeah, but I mean, outside of that, I think Hardy just he played his role really well. Um, I guess next we'll talk about Josh Green. Um, you know, I felt like we were in store for an all-encompassing Josh Green game in that first half because it seemed like he was just really um, putting the pedal to the metal and he was about to show every hater that he is finally back and he is finally Josh Green again. But it kind of, to me at least, it seemed like he dropped off a little bit in that second half, at least from an offensive perspective. He nailed that one corner three, I think, in the third or fourth quarter. Uh, but outside of that, offensively, I didn't see much from him. Defensively, though, and uh, uh, from a rebounding perspective, I felt like he was amazing or, like, tremendously huge uh, through I mean, yeah, this large is like parts of this game. One of his better defensive games we've seen. Yeah. You know, we've been starving for something like this for weeks on end, and it was good to see Josh Re Josh Green really come into his own defensively. The foot speed was there, but it was controlled, and he wasn't preemptively closing out on guys. He was staying disciplined. He wasn't overfouling, and, I mean, he was just staying in front of guys. And, I mean, he got 
a block. I mean, he didn't have any steals that were recorded on the stat sheet tonight, but he had a few where you at least, I, I thought he affected he the presence. Yeah, of him, and, yeah. And, you know, he may have got a tip pass in there or something. And uh, it was just a really awesome job on some very, um, I mean, admittedly very quick point of attack ball handlers and Monk and uh, Fox, you know, that he had to really uh, try to stay with. And I mean, he had to run with Herter a little bit too, who's, you know, coming off every stagger and co-off in the world, trying to get open for three. So uh, from that perspective, I was very impressed with that because, you know, we we saw him have good games against the Kings earlier in the year, but, you know, that was right around the time where Justin Holiday swooped in post Kyrie trade and uh, got a starting lineup and just Josh Green just hadn't looked the same since, but this was definitely, um, and I'd even told a couple of people on Twitter, you know, people are saying Josh is cooked and he's, you know, we, this was just a, you know, a brief facade that he had earlier in the season. We just got lucky, but I was like, I pushed back. I mean, I, I just don't think that a player can have that many good games like that and it not be um, a product of his development and the work that he put in over the summer uh, for it to be just completely thrown by the wayside. I think that, you know, maybe he was going through, I'm not saying like mental health issues, but he was definitely maybe going through, Going through it mentally, issues, yeah. uh, basketball-wise yeah. at least. And uh, it, it definitely seems like he's at least turning the tide, you know, in the right direction now. Is it probably too late in the yeah. Maverick season? <laughs> yeah, very much so. But um, it's it's okay as long as, you know. I made one or two comments about that tonight. but Yeah, <laughs> yeah we made quite a few comments about all this being too late, quote-unquote. But uh, he, he played a great game from uh, all aspects of, you know, making those corner threes. He had a few times um, where – he settled into some mid-range jump shots, one off of a spin. Yeah. Uh, one where uh, I yeah, think. Yeah, that one. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Uh, Harrison one, Barnes or Link Monk. Yeah. Kind of on the skates. Yeah. And then one yeah. night he just, uh, he just simply, yeah, he made a crossover and then yeah. spin into that one. And one where he caught the ball at the uh, sort of baseline mid-range area and then just kind of sank into a yeah. mid-range jump shot. It was That was, I think, his first basket of the game. And I was like, whoa, like that doesn't usually happen. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a great game for me. He's very active defensively. Uh, in the in the rebounding category, the Mavericks rode him down the stretch despite not starting as of recently. Kind of rightfully so, to be honest with you, with the way the way he's been playing. But I mean, he was huge in the Mavericks' victory tonight. And, I mean, I don't know if he's back. We'll have to see if the Mavericks end up playing any more basketball beyond these next two games, um, or if you know, seeing how they fare in these next two games and all that. But it's definitely good to see him having a um, you know having positive a, regression in basketball play recently. yeah i was so, gonna say yeah. revert back to the yeah. mean for there what we go. were used to yeah. this season um but yeah uh, otherwise i feel like we've covered everybody except for maxi and the luca so um i'll go ahead and take maxi if you would like to diagnose luca's game tonight um maxi didn't really get a whole lot of run tonight played 15 minutes played him a little bit in that two big lineup with christian wood um but christian wood um and his incompetence offensively in that first half kind of uh, derailed that lineup. So, I mean, they played Maxi as a lone big a little bit, I think. Um, but, I mean, it's just, you know, against a guy in Sabonis where he's already going to get toasted because, you know, Maxi, yes, he's a good defender, but not many big men are going to be able yeah. to defend Sabonis regardless. They mirrored each other in minutes a lot. That severely inhibited, you know, Maxi on the floor because, you know, he missed two threes. And, you know, if he's not making his threes – and, you know, if he can't really give you much defensively as, you know, your quote unquote defensive five in the game against the opposing team's best five, then it's just kind of counterintuitive to have him out there. And that's not to say that like Christian Wood or JaVale were able to do that. 
Um, but they're just able to give, I mean, Christian Wood specifically is able to give you a little bit more offensively, yeah. um, even if the defense is um, not near, you know, pales in comparison compared to back season. You know, you just didn't get it going shooting, and I think that that's part of the reason he didn't really stay in the game that long. But pretty um, brisk 15 minutes from him. What do you uh, what do you think of Luca's game? I feel like he had a kind of a rough shooting game tonight, but he was winning within the margins and the yeah. ability to get to the foul line and, uh, you know, make some of the right passes. He only had one turnover. It didn't seem like he was really forcing anything. Um, had a few and ones. Uh, it wasn't the best game from him, but it was enough to get it done. I was curious to get your opinion on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you pretty much have to, if you could take the fourth quarter out in terms of him, he had a, I think a pretty good game. Uh, the first three quarters of offense were honestly really steady. Uh, in that third quarter, he was really the benefactor, or I guess he was, you know, really the main facilitator for all those Tim Hardaway threes that were raining down in the third quarter. Um, up until that knee bang that he had with, uh, I don't remember who, I think it was De'Aaron Fox or someone. Um, but yeah, pretty much until he had that, you know, new knee breeze or a new, I cannot speak. Kyrie also in this game had a little bit of a, yeah, he had that, like, he tweaked his ankle yeah. potentially. Um, I don't know. Was it the right foot? It, it was the left foot. The okay. Left foot. So, yeah, he's been dealing with the right foot soreness. So, luckily, it was the left foot. But both of the stars got a little banged up. But luckily, they were able to stay in the game. It didn't seem as if it inhibited their play too much. But uh, in Luca's case, he, it definitely looked as if it uh, it bugged him up yeah. until halftime. Uh, but after uh, they came back. Was it in the second? Was it in the first I half? I believe or? it was in the. It may have been in the first half. I, I think I got my timeline on this. I think it was in that first half. Yeah. It was in the second quarter. Yeah. I believe like at, and I will say as much as that, um, you know, the Mavericks team wide struggled defensively really besides Josh Green. I wouldn't really say anybody had, uh, I, I mean, I'll give Christian Wood the title of a good defensive game. Yeah. I would say Josh Green was the only one who surpasses that in any sort of aspect. And everybody else was either average or definitely worse than that. And, um, you know, including basically all the starters, I, I mean, I'd say Kyrie had an average one. Uh, everybody else was definitely below average because Kyrie is doing having really good on ball pressure. But yeah. there were a few times he got caught ball watching off the ball. Um, but Luca, when he was injured, stuff. man, I mean, it was he he couldn't move out there. It seemed as he he was inhibited and he was losing his guys and um, on the perimeter. And I mean, they're typically trying to hard, hide him on guys like Herder or you know Malik Monk or Keegan Murray and those guys. Um, admittedly, you know the Kings. Conversely to the Mavericks, you know, with this sort of uh, innovative pro-style offense, we want to call it, that they got. Um, they do not have a lot of one-dimensional players. They're quote-unquote three-and-D players attack off of closeouts and do so very successfully time after time. And create cuts off yes, ball for wide-open dunks. These are foreign <laughs> concepts yeah. that the CIA is gate-kept, Jaron. These are not – things that should be instilled within the Dallas media. So we need to have, we'll have a talk later about what you can and cannot <laughs> say on the podcast. Um, but nonetheless, uh, in all seriousness, Luca did fall victim to, uh, I think that knee getting banged up a few times and uh, just that probably uh, subsiding some of his defensive effort uh, as well as it's his just usual, uh, you know, looking at the ball and really staring at it and having a good, nice, long yeah. conversation with the basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Three-point shooters do not exist yeah, here. They do. <laughs> the NBA players cannot shoot past 18 feet, according to Luca. But um, otherwise, um, and that's not me being, like, hypercritical of his defense. I realize, like, when he turns it on, it's not 
bad, but I mean, we just like to poke fun over here at mainstream Mavs. Don't take anything too serious here, guys. But um, otherwise, um, you know, I, like you said, I thought he did a pretty good job of setting the pace of the game. You know, he had some tough buckets when the Mavericks really needed it at times, you know, some and ones was getting to the rim. He did a good job snaking on some pick and rolls, um, you know, just using his body when he gets within side 10 feet, as well as anybody in the league, as we always talk about. And, uh, you know, he was, despite a rough shooting night, um, he got to the line about 10 times and, you know, he was able to uh, definitely provide that steady remediating factor to help the Mavericks win this one. Um, so the Mavericks definitely got um, a very spirited effort across the board, even if everybody didn't necessarily play their best. You could tell that the guys were in it to win it <laughs> in this one. Uh, they're not giving up on the season. And that's what I wanted to get into for our last little tidbit here before we end the podcast. Jaron, you know, we're not going to go too deep into this but what are your thoughts on the Mavericks tanking um quote unquote or deferring to losing the last two games which does not seem is going to be the case obviously after this point we we presume that once they were mathematically eliminated which I believe would have occurred or they would have been all but mathematically eliminated had the Thunder won last night and they lost tonight or just one of those uh, things happened but we're in a position now where they're tied and, you know, the Thunder do hold the tiebreaker. So the Mavericks still would be in position to have the ninth best lottery odds. As of today, they're the ninth worst record in the league because of how the tiebreaker scenarios work out. But I mean, they could very easily fall out of that situation yeah. and be in the play in tournament with a puncher's chance more so at uh, keeping their top 10 picks. So what do you think of this whole this situation holistically and what do you think the Mavericks should do if you had just your opinion, but also what you think the team will do? Yeah, I mean, like, look, this is a very intricate, weird situation, one where, you know, I don't feel like we've been in the play for a very long or at least a while. I mean, since um, the play-in was created. We have yeah, never, we have never been in this sort of boat before. Um, you know, this Chicago game, I think, is way more important than many people probably would have denoted before. Uh, essentially, yes, we are tied record-wise with Chicago, and they hold the tiebreaker over us currently. Now, of course, you know, the second matchup of two will be held, I believe, Friday night um, at the AAC. So this will be a, you know, whether or not, whether you want the whether, whether you want the Mavericks to tank and lose or whether you want the Mavericks to win and try and uh, make a playoff push, this is a, you know, season-defining game uh, for both parties in that term. So I, I, I think, you know, for me personally, what I want the Mavericks to do or what I think the Mavericks should do, um, you know, it, it, there's still a small percentage uh, of hope, I would say, in terms of even making out of it, out of the play in. And on top of that, even, you know, winning, I say two games in the first round. I mean, of the it just like, seems insurmountable yeah. for like anything that breeds productivity to come out of this, because, you know, if you want to get to the playoffs, obviously you want to see growth and development as you head into this offseason with Kyrie and Luca, because you know this team's not a championship caliber team. I mean, I can hear an argument if you think that they could get to the playoffs these last two games, but there's not any fiber of anybody's being that's going to state that this team is a championship team. Um, I mean, they could. Hey, they... you never know. Luca and Kyrie on the floor at the same time, you never know. That's <laughs> <laughs> every single day. They, they've, they've proven. <laughs> yeah. They've proven otherwise. The you know the complete antithesis of a championship two team you know too often than not barring some miraculous turnaround they would need some sort of like mike you know yeah. some magical powers or the monsters would have to come dip their toes in dallas real quick um but otherwise 
it is a very divisive yeah. situation. Um, you know, I, I think from a spirit standpoint, I think the Mavericks are doing the right thing in terms of the way that they're operating this with, you know, Luca and Kyrie uh, trying to do this till they're mathematically el- eliminated. I don't have any gripes with that personally. And I, I think they're doing the right thing from that perspective. You don't want to give the, you know, aura or image that you're trying to tank or that, you know, you're disinterested in winning and, you know, just to get a potential draft pick. That's never something you want to do, especially with the players that are at hand here with the Mavericks and the stakes that they could hold this off season with Kyrie, um, you know, his whole signing kind of being up in the air um, as denoted by Mark Cuban um, in his recent interview, as well as um, what has sort of came out from Shams the other day that Kyrie may test the waters, but, also kind of wants, but it would you know prefer to sign in Dallas. There's just a lot of conflicting stuff right now. You don't want to aggravate that situation anymore. Obviously, Luca, you know, he's a guy who wants to win at all costs. So you don't want to screw with that at all. Um, but at the same time, the Mavericks are in a very uh, convoluted situation here because there's just, you know, nothing productive is essentially going to come out of this unless they somehow knock off a couple games against Denver in the first hand in the first round and, you know, win two games in the play in, and then you can say, okay, well, you know, at least you got a little bit of momentum heading into the off season and, you know, things aren't as, uh, you know, bleak and uh, just sad as they were heading in. Um, and, and then the team, you know, the because vibes matter. And we've yeah. seen that with last year's team, even uh, from all aspects of the team vibes matter, but it just with the position that the Mavericks are in and, you know, them having this unique situation where they would keep their top 10 pick uh, from the – that is owed to the Knicks. Um, you know, that was in the Porzingis tree, uh, deal that they top 10 protected it. You know, it, it's just – it's a precarious situation, and it's one that, like, me personally, I think the odds are simply just too insurmountable and the negatives outweigh the positives too much to where I hope that they end up not making the play-in and they end up keeping their pick. That's what I hope happens. But at the same time – I under I don't fault them for trying to win, and I, I bold statement. <laughs> I don't know if I would. Uh, yeah, I, like like look. I, I mean, I tend I I'll agree with you. Um, I, I think that the Mavericks would probably be in a safer boat future wise, um, assuming that you know you're mathematically eliminated. There's no possible option that you can make the playoffs or even playing for that matter. Um, and yeah, you just pretty much shut down everything and you get a secured top ten spot. Yeah, I think that's probably in best interest for this team's future. Um, but then again, like I said, like you said, uh, if there is a chance, I think that you, you might as well take that chance so a winning tonight definitely improves that. But, um, yeah, I'm under the assumption that I think a top 10 pick would benefit this team way more than a first round exit to Denver more than likely in either a gentleman sweep or a sweep action. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm right there with you. We obviously talked that talked about that ad nauseum, uh, post game as we were going down the escalators of the AAC. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, there's just a lot of conflicting points of interest of what this Mavericks team could do or what exactly is just going to become happenstance based on these last couple games. Um, but best believe, given the situation that they're in now, now that we have this result of the Kings game, at least we have a little bit more direction. Yeah. We know they're going to try to win out, and we know the Thunder are too. So it's going to come down to the wire here, and we're basically going to have to see what's going to happen. Uh, the Like we talked about at the beginning of the pod, the Bulls are projected to rest most of their players. Uh, so, I mean, you could almost maybe – I'm not pencil it in because the Mavericks have lost so many dumb games this year. But, Charlotte. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they could 
very easily, you know, then they were facing a very brittle, feeble Spurs team that's just looking to get out of this NBA season and on the Wimbledon land. So, I mean, uh, that's that's our next two games. The Thunder, conversely, I don't believe have the strongest schedule either. Um, Utah Jazz and Memphis Grizzlies. Utah Jazz and Memphis Grizzlies. And, you know, the Jazz, that kind of poses as a, you know, possibly uh, a conflicting game from the standpoint that they may still be trying to try. But I, I don't remember exactly if the Jazz played tonight. But if the Jazz lose another one, I think that they're throwing the cards yeah, in at that true. point. And then the Grizzlies, they're not really jockeying for playing a well, playoff position at all. I, I don't know. I think tonight's results regarding Sacramento, their loss, uh, and Memphis lost as well tonight to uh, New Orleans. So I, I think that, you know, especially – I guess now we can't say that, but I, I still think that there's a world where Memphis – are they two games? They, or? They're, they're two games out okay, of the Kings because so, they yeah. both lost. Had the Kings won tonight – I thought they were uh, – yeah, so, yeah. No, if the Kings – lost, yeah, with only two games left and being two games back, uh, the Kings are – yeah, they're, they're pretty locked into yeah. that spot. Had the Kings won tonight, that may have posed a little bit of a conflict there. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I, I think that the the Jazz may be mailing it in. You know, they're a game and a half back of the Mavericks at this point. Um, so, you know, game, back, game and a half back of the Thunder as well, of course. So I don't know exactly how that situation is going to dissipate. Um, but it, it, the, it could – be a situation where the Mavericks and the Thunder are both presented with easy wins in these next two games of the season. If that's the case, the Thunder will then end up making the play-in and the Mavericks, you know, will be relegated to, uh, you know, being probably top 10 um, favorited odds in the draft lottery. Um, If they both went out, of course, but it just takes one Thunder loss. So, you know, it's, it's in God's hands, um, but it's not. It just takes one stupid game from the Thunder. Uh, so you guys are going to be at to be on standings watch because this is obviously a very integral time to see what happens as the situation, as the season comes to an end here. But, you know, we stated our personal opinions, but we also do have our prerogatives that we think the team will adhere to. And I can't fault them for doing what they're doing because of the personalities and the stakes that are at our play here. Um, it's just sort of the nature of the situation. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really have too much other than that. Um, other than, you know, I, I hope things play out favorably for, you know, our personal agendas, but I also won't be, you know, all too mad if the Mavericks could, if the Mavericks can get to the playoffs and they can get past the play-in, then, you know, I mean, they could still keep their top 10 pick in all technicality if they make the play-in and then lose. Um, I feel like they'd have to lose to Chicago, right? They'd have to lose. um, No, they'd have to lose that first game, I believe. Well, in terms of that, the, I the think, Thunder, yeah, they, yeah, because then they're at the. I mean, they could still hop inside the top ten with the eleventh or twelfth best. Yeah, odds. it's just a lucky. way yeah. lower chance. Yeah. yeah. So let's just see how you know it's it's a lot of different things are going to happen, but everybody's just going to kind of have to keep their eyes their their eyes dialed in, you know, um, and their T's crossed, yeah, you because know, at this point, um, we literally got two games left for basically everybody in the season. And, you know, the Thunder and the Jack and the Mavericks, how those next four games play out for the each respected franchise is going to dictate um, basically the Mavericks season, uh, one of which has been riddled with disappointment, but also promise in a weird sort of way. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, uh, we'll have a lot more offseason coverage for you guys, obviously, when it gets to that point. But we just got to see what happens. But nonetheless, it was a fun game today, Jerry. It was a fun game. I'm glad we attended it. Yes, so. I, I am, too. It was our last one of the season. So unless the Mavericks miraculously make the playoffs, we'll you may you may see us there to see yeah. the gentleman sweep get unveiled. Uh, we'll, game four. We'll, we'll be hanging out <laughs> with the Raptors. Nicole Jokic, number 15 um, up in the AAC. But nonetheless, we appreciate you guys for listening this far in the podcast. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already. If you're watching on YouTube, shout out to the YouTube gang. Comment, is Kevin Herter's hair band, uh, headband a good look? Or should he go back to the regular um, forehead? Yes, or Red Mamba 2.0 because the original – Red bomb, Red Mamba. Do you know who that is? Uh, is that um, uh, Brian Scalabrini? Most people would say oh, Scalabrini, but he's actually the White Mamba. The original Red Mamba. My bad. My bad. Matt Bonner. Oh, I, all yeah, the, I did. I did yes, know that. All the, I didn't know that. All the naysayers out there, it's not Scalabrini. It's Matt Bonner. <laughs> that's that's so, my fault. I yeah, no, that's a that's a dig for uh, some of you newer NBA fans. But I think a large majority of our audience, from what it seems, is primarily um older generation yes a little bit older than us and uh, they would probably write us off as um just two young dumb kids uh, talking in a microphone but we do it for the 48 of you guys out there um anyways we're going for 50 so oh that's good uh (laughs) nonetheless make sure to uh, also follow us on spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Uh, we are on virtually every listening platform so we are would really appreciate if you guys give us a five-star rating and a review, uh, whatever floats your boat in terms of that review. Um, if it's constructive criticism, um, or we welcome, yes, any we comments. welcome at all <laughs> regard. It can be about anything. Uh, it can even be about our style of clothing or, right. uh, you know, our facial hair or the um, lack of facial hair. Oh yeah. Or my <laughs> glasses, or you want to call me a four eyed loser. I don't know what you guys got cooking <laughs> up out there how deeply and rooted your hate for us on the internet is. If you just hate our takes and you've hated the interactions I've had with you on Twitter, I apologize, but we welcome all here. Um, we're a very welcome. Yes. We, yes. we <laughs> have a hallmark of diversity here at mainstream Mavs, and we include anybody that would like to join the mainstream Mavs gang. There we go. Um, but otherwise make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. And we will catch you guys after the bulls game. Um, and I, I think that by that time, I think the plunder will have played a game as well. Yeah. They play tomorrow night at 8 PM. Yes. Versus er, in Utah. I mean, if they win that Utah game, I'm more confident, honestly, in them beating the Grizzlies because of how, so, um, you know, I think we'll have a little bit more of a clear an even more clear, uh, direction of where things are going to go, but we're not doing any, um, actual off season, podcast till the season is over so we're going to continue to cover these games for you guys but we will definitely keep you posted on how this situation evolves as will every other Mavs talking head out there so you know I know that you guys if you're listening to us we're probably not your only podcast that you consume but we do appreciate you guys dipping into our uh, our little toes for this one yes. so uh, we will catch you guys in the next one mainstream Mavs signing out Bye.